0: Okay, this morning, I'm going to read first from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And then I'm going to go to Numbers, the 19th chapter, and then we'll have these other scriptures as God leads. So in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter in verse 1, it says this, Moreover, in other words, really very importantly, brethren. Notice that, what it says there? Moreover, it's very important, brethren. I would not have that you should be ignorant. So, does God want us as His own to be ignorant? No, He doesn't. Okay, for any of us. So, I would not have you to be ignorant. And I don't want you to be ignorant. And you're going to see why He's saying this how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So, what He's doing, He's going way back to Exodus, the 12th chapter. 13th chapter 14th chapter and 15th chapter. This is his thinking the Holy Spirit is taking it now for us as New Covenant new believers in Christ heavenly people and Teaching us how he was dealing with his earthly people But he's going to continue to teach us with those things and he doesn't want us to be ignorant in other words like most Christians What are all these Old Testament things mean? They do even make any sense, do they? No, and the reason is, is for any of us, why? Because we're ignorant. In other words, we just haven't been taught. And if they're taught, how are they taught? Does it have to do with a true experience of who Christ is and who Christ is in us, in this context, in 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter? Notice what it says in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 10. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. So when he's saying all this, you gotta, when he's saying these things, you can go back and read it because it's in your Bible. It's just as much yours as it is mine. And uh, we can choose to receive it or we can choose to be ignorant. That's the choice that we have. And so, read Exodus, the 12th chapter, 13th chapter, 14th chapter, and 15th chapter, and you and I will understand what God wants to teach us, us, as his heavenly people, what he, wants, what he was teaching them as they were the type, and Christ was the anti-type. So, and all were baptized unto Moses, who was a type, and the work that God was doing through him, a type of Christ in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual meat and, they, meat, and they all did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that rock. The rock here in 1 Corinthians 10, verse four. You will see when, when Moses said, show me your glory, in Exodus 33 and verses 19, 20, and 21. When he said, uh, uh, show me your glory, he said, you can't see me. In other words, what he was saying is, you can't see me in all my fullness. No created being, in John 1, verse 18, angel or man, has ever seen God in all his fullness. Because you have to be God for that. (laughs) He's the creator, we're, we're the ones that are created. So he said, but I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. And of course, that is Christ, and it's pointing to what Christ would fulfill on Calvary. That was the promise that he gave Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 and verse 14. He gave The promise was for them, right? Like every promise is for us, but it was to Christ. And the reason is, is because he would be the only one that would fulfill it. So even the promise that he gave to Adam and Eve, he never promised a thing to their fallen flesh. He only made that promise secure and settled Christ, And this is what makes it so very important for us as believers, as those that are in Christ, to function in a proper heavenly image. And so all did drink of that same spiritual drink, just like we're all drinking in the Word, all together it's the same. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased. God was not well pleased. As a result, they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness always speaks of, of the fact of the world system. In Matthew 13, 38, the field is the world. It's the world system under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2. So many of them were overthrown. Why? Because they were overthrown, what, in the wilderness? Something about the world that appealed to their flesh was the means of them being overthrown. And we know who's behind that. It's the enemy of the believer. The enemy of the individual believer. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, look what it says. Now, these things are, they were and are our examples. It's types. We're to learn from them. To the intent. What's the intention? That you and I, heavenly people, were on the earth, but are we a heavenly people? There's everything about us either earthly or heavenly. That's the choice that we make. And there's the separating, sanctifying process that God has us involved in, in our growth in 2 Peter 3.18, as we grow in grace, and the knowledge, see, knowledge, as opposed to ignorance of who we are in Christ, who Christ is in us. So it says here, again, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. What's, What's an evil thing? Anything that's outside of Christ is what? It's evil. It's all it can be. And does that, does evil appeal to the lusts of the flesh? Yes. Boy, wouldn't that be something if we only knew and could determine evil and the only way we can is in his presence. Because if we leave it up to ourselves, you know what we can do, any of us in the flesh in Isaiah 5, verse 20, it's called evil good. Good evil. Put light for darkness, darkness for light. Put bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. And that's what we do outside of Christ. And thank God again, that's not who we are. It is not who we are. So again, to the intent, the intention that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be you like they were idolaters. You know, when they forgot God, everything that he did for them, When they forgot God, they went after idols. Same thing for us. 1 John 5, verse 20, everything about us that's true about us, that's real about our proper image is in Christ. Anything else in 5.21 of 1 John is an idol. And an idol in the flesh that's in the believer that we're not of is always constantly in competition with who we are in Christ. Who's getting us to try and compete? Who's behind that? I mean, what is our whole life about? I mean, isn't our whole life about in Philippians 2 verse 12 to work out our own salvation? Did you hear what that said? Our own. No one else can do that for you. Nobody else. We're going to see. No one else can do that. But you and Christ in an intimate relationship with him. See? Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling, why? For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And who's the only one in Matthew 3 and verse 17 and 17 and verse five, whoever pleased the Father. Jesus said it about himself in John 8 verse 29. I always do those things that please the Father. And when you and I, the moment we received him as our savior, when we were placed in him, we see that we were, in Revelation 4.11, created for his pleasure. (laughs) Because the only one that pleases him and the only place that I can experience being pleased, pleasing God and knowing it for sure is when I function in Christ, when I am not left to my own will. And when we are, we can look at Romans the seventh chapter Look at those first 24 verses. And that's the epitome of a will that's not submitted. Just like those folks there. You know, when it said, when the Holy Spirit said through Hosea the prophet in Hosea 4, verse 6, that he said, my people are destroyed. Notice, listen to that word destroyed. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's not that they didn't have the truth and the knowledge. It's that they rejected it. That's what Hosea 4, verse 6 is making very, very clearly in the Scriptures. So that's the, that's what happened with them. That's what we're being warned against, us as heavenly people in Christ. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 10, Neither be you idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. Look at what it says. As it is written. Where is it written? Well, I believe it's Exodus 32 in verse 7. You can check me on that. But this is what it says. This is what it says. Look what they did. And either we're going forward in Christ, led by him, right? And he gently leads us in Isaiah 40, verse 11. Because he's gentle and humble. And because we're yoked up to him in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. We're yoked up to him. And we're going to see what it means to have it, to be yoked with him. And not yoked up to something else, <laughs> And the yoke, oh boy, you know, he, he keeps us restrained. That means he keeps us attached to him. And boy, when I'm not attached to him, oh boy, those lusts come in. And then those things that the enemy has, it's not that we, we go after them. They, they are waiting, the enemy with those things, those lust patterns are waiting to attach themselves to us. Then we think we can't do without them. Boy, oh boy. I don't know, the last time I checked, I can do all things through Christ in Philippians 4 verse 13 because he supplied all of our need in Philippians 4 and verse 19. So when it says here, look what it says. The people sat down. Were they going forward? No. Nope. They sat down. What's the enemy want us to do in our experience? What does, he, what does he want us to do? Sit down, quit. This is too much. I mean, it's just too much. It's just too hard. <laughs> they sat down The people sat down, and look what they did. Everything about their life became this. Look, eat, drink, and rose up to play. In other words, everything about their life became this. Everything about them eating and drinking, what does that have to do? Can you do any of that without money? Can you? No. And can you play properly (laughs) without it? That's why Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. In Matthew 6, verse 24, you cannot, bow, you cannot worship, and serve as worship, by the way, <laughs> God, you cannot worship money and God. And that's why it says, and again, it doesn't say it in 1 Timothy six, ten. the love, okay, the love of money, money is the root of all evil, it doesn't say that, it says the love, the inordinate affection, that attachment that becomes attachments, is the root of all evil. And see, God is going after roots in us. Things we're ignorant of, things we're rebellious of and stubborn about. But in his love, he's going after roots. See, we just want to deal. And like psychology of man, or all these other psych- psychologies, teaching you about the soul and how you can, you can control it, never go to the root, they just go to the fruit. That's it. But the root's still there. It's legalism. And that's a very sad thing. They they sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us, what, commit fornication. So when they sat down to eat and drink, and all they were doing was playing, what were they doing? Committing fornication. As some of them committed and fell in one day, 23,000. They fell. Neither let us tempt Christ. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed of what? Serpents. Serpents is a type of what? There's only one devil. There are many demons. Behind every lust pattern is a spiritual, wicked spirit called the demon. Ooh. I don't know about you folks, but boy, that, <laughs> ooh. that goes deep. That goes very deep. They were destroyed of the serpents. And as a result of them being destroyed, what did it lead them to? Neither murmur, they just started murmuring about everything. Why? There wasn't any satisfaction in just eating and drinking and playing. It never was sad, they were never satisfied. When we keep areas preserved for ourselves, does Christ have an entrance in our experience? Why does he want us, why does he want us to have a yoke? Oh Lord, and what can we do without it? Yeah, we're in control, aren't we? We know enough of the word to be in control. We know enough of the word to counsel each other. No, no, Not, not correctly just yet. Well, let us, that neither murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of what? The destroyer, what? Now what's the destroyer? That's John 10, 10a. The thief, what's a thief? Oh, when's he usually come? When you expect it? No. They're very cunning. A thief. The thief comes. You think he's going to come? Can he touch us in our position? He's going to go after the experience. The thief comes to steal. What would he give us? What would he show us to be of value that would steal us away from Christ? I'll tell you how he does it through things that appeal to the flesh in the Christian. That's, again, Genesis 3, verse 6, and 1 John 2, verse 16. Right? 1 John two fifteen. Stop loving the world, coming under its influence, and having it affect you in your lust patterns. Stop loving the world. Listen to what it says. Neither the things that are in the world if you if you love the world something appeals to your flesh and to my flesh what will i do i'll go after the things of the world are necessarily the things of even of themselves evil no is money evil <laughs> are guns evil <laughs> are they evil no no they're not evil oh no Functioning in the flesh. What am I functioning in experientially? Am I being holy at that moment? Is that holiness? No. No. It isn't for any of us. The thief comes to steal. To kill. Capacity. Steal me away. Get me occupied with everything else. Steal me away. (laughs) To kill my capacity. To destroy me experientially. Experience. Experience. To destroy the experience in the believer. Can't touch the position, but destroy the experience. Don't live as a conqueror in Christ in Romans 8, verse 37. In other words, experiencing his love that's conquered everything. Well, here it is. Now, verse 10, uh, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10. Now, all these things happened unto them. God is teaching us through what happened to them as examples. That's what it says. And they are written for our admonition. <laughs> he's admonishing us. He's warning us. So he's doing today. This is your choice: your flesh, things of the flesh, or being led by the Spirit. Heavenly, your life is heavenly, or it's earthly. Everything about you. What is it? What it, what would it be for me? Now, all these things happened unto, unto them for our sake, for our examples, that they are, and they are written for our admonition. Who are we, heavenly people? Stop living for the earth. The whole thought process, you know, and there's all kinds of teaching in Christendom, not Christianity, that will teach you how you can function on this earth. Seriously. Like those that teach, we have a community church and the church, us here is to change the world. No. Metal not in Proverbs 24 verse 21, with them that are given to that kind of change. And we're going to see how that was a system, and it wasn't of Christ. Well, these are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the all the ages are come. The world here, again, is not the earth. <laughs> Okay, the, you know, the earth, the, the earth isn't going to end. Ecclesiastes 1, 4, Isaiah 45, verse 17, Ephesians three twenty one. The world, the earth that God created does not end. It does change in 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13, yes. <laughs> Talking about the particular time period that we're in. We are in Christ. He is the, the eternity of all the ages and we have him in us. That's who we are. That is who we are. Now, verse 12, this is what we constantly have to be aware of. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands, he doesn't need any more, he knows just enough, take heed lest he fall. And what would cause him to fall? Well, that would be Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit, haughty. I don't need anything else. I don't need, I don't need to be taught. I only need so much. I don't need the body. I don't need others, you know. <laughs> A hearty spirit before what? A fall. Listen, when you and I are not experiencing God humbling us, it's not that we're going to be deceived. We already are deceived. There's where all those other those That's where all those other attachments and all those other addictions and the lie that we need these particular things to be able to function. Where? On the earth. Are we? Oh, Lord. Now, that is 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12. Here's 13. So, there has no temptation taken you but such as common to man. In other words, you, you know, Just like the world, they face all these temptations. They don't even know if they are. They just feel that's what they need to do, and they do it. And we face the same things. But without Christ? Boy. So we should live like the world? Be friends with the world? Do things just like the world? Look just like the world? I don't know. Exodus 11.7, did God put a difference between Israel and Egypt in time, did he? Flesh and spirit with us? The flesh and who we are in Christ. is there a difference? Do we even know the difference? Can we even discern it? Or are we gonna call good evil and evil good? Well, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But, separated from all of that, like the world, like we're separated from it, by the way. You know, Galatians 6.14, Again, the cross makes it crystal clear that the whole world system has been crucified to us and us to the world. Where do I go if I don't go forward? If I, my will's not submitted, I don't want to be obedient. I'm going to tell you, we go back. We go right back. We sit down, and you know what our life becomes? Eat. Everything's about that. Drink. And now, play. Everything about us. And we have that flesh in us, even though we're not of it. But separation. But completely. God is faithful. Am I refusing his faithfulness? Am I rejecting it? Am I rejecting the power that Christ is in me? And the power of the Holy Spirit to make it an absolute experiential reality? And a proper image? in my own individuality? Well, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able? What does it mean to be able? We have his supernatural ability as our reliability. And when we don't rely on him, what kind of ability do we function in? Eat, drink, and play. Play. Oh, Lord. Well, but, but, Separation again, will, whose will? God's will, my will submitted to him. (laughs) With the temptation also make a way to escape. Do I want to escape it though? Do I really want to escape those things that appeal to me, that give me a thrill? Seriously, that give me an emotional thrill and then I feel good? (laughs) Do we walk by faith, absolute dependence? with the substance and reality of the Word of God, or do we go by our feelings, our emotions? Second Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by feelings, not by emotions, not by those thrills. Here it is. But he makes a way to escape that you may be able to bear up under it. Wherefore, because of this, who? Who are we? How does God see us? My dearly beloved ones. Flee from idolatry. In your experience, flee from it. Because anything in my time, in my thought life, and in my emotions, anything that competes with Christ in my experience, I don't care. It could be be the sweetest person in the world. It could be. Not that they're bad. I'm not saying they are. But if I go after them to replace Christ, okay, is that good? It's not good. It's not good. So flee from idolatry. Can we make even godly people to become idols? Can we? Well, who has my whole concentration? I mean, who do I talk to the most during the day? Is it Christ? Is it my intimate fellowship? Or am I talking to a bunch a whole bunch of others? (laughs) Oh Lord. Look at this is the reality because we have to. Get going on this because God has so much for us when we're available and when we concentrate. Now, here is this. I'm going to read this particular scripture here. I have to put this, my marker. This is my big marker right here. (laughs) And then I want to read this because this is what God's teaching us. He's always teaching the believer the principle of separation, which is sanctification, sanctification means the moment that I receive Christ as my Savior, he could set me apart from everything about the world and the dead self, the dead world the dead self, and set me in Christ, he could because I was justified, I was cleared of all guilt and condemnation, that's justification sanctification, all one and people get into a deep amount of trouble and bad teaching when they fuse both and as a result they think they can lose something if they don't keep earning it sanctified positionally, set apart from self into him. Thank you, God. Position, now what? Experience, experience. Do I still have a free will? Yes. Can I submit to the flesh? Yes. Who am I submitting to? Who would I be and who would you be? This is 2 Corinthians chapter six, I'm going to read it, and you can read that that whole chapter there. It's pretty amazing in this whole context. But in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14, this is what it says. Watch what it says. Be you not unequally what? Yoked. That means if I am not restrained by Christ in my experience and yoked up to him, the enemy's got another yoke for me. When Christ isn't my experience... I rely on someone else for spirituality, even though they may be spiritually correct and sweet and loving. But when I bypass Christ and yoke up to them, and it's not Christ, who do they become? An idol. Am I saying they're not correct? Not at all. I'm saying my choice is wrong. My choice is wrong. That's why we don't even make we don't even, and, 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 and seriously, with all the gifts that God's given us, for instance, as pastors and teachers in Jeremiah 3, verse 15, in Ephesians 4, 11, which are masculine, singular, by the way, any pastor ever in the Word of God was masculine, singular. <laughs> Simply put, because of the fall of Eve, because of her fall, and she's being protected in an order, and as long as she submits to that order, she's protected from her own flesh and from the influence of the atmosphere, even though even though she or they may buck against it, even though they may not like certain things. Because God loves you, he's not interested in what your flesh or my flesh likes, because like is not even in the Bible. <laughs> Okay, in terms of likeness, yes, but like of the flesh, no. Stop being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What's that mean? What? What? what appeals to a Christian with the unsaved? Things that you may like about them. You know, that's like Lot. Read Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. Read those chapters. You know, Lot was a born-again guy, but he still had pleasure with unsaved people. God, he liked being with him. Why? You think that might have been the flesh? Do you think in the flesh in a the Christian that's still not dealt with experientially, they still want to be with other, others and think it's okay to do certain things? For instance, if I, if I want to win an alcoholic, you think I should drink with him? Yeah, that'll help him, just like it's helping me. <laughs> Nonsense. And by the way, you don't need it, ever. We don't need it ever. We just don't need those things. We don't. We don't. Now, here's what it says. Stop being yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, did you see that? See, when you see fellowship, underline it and then put 1 John 3, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 3 and equal to 4. So you can read 1 John chapter one, one through four. You're gonna see what fellowship is. Listen, it's Christ, period, period, nothing else. Watching a football game together, that's not fellowship. It can be, but I doubt it though. I, I, I just don't think so. Not that it's bad. And only God can tell the individual, okay? And I still like football games, but that's not my life. Listen to me, it's not. Honestly, and it's losing it more and more the shine of those things It's just becoming duller and duller in my own life. Honestly. It truly is. Honestly, there's nothing in this world that satisfies me He's got to cut these strings. Oh boy And sometimes we don't want those strings cut because that's the flesh that keeps us attached to the earth in our experience and we miss him and can be the cause of us forgetting him in a moment For what fellowship, what agreement has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness? Again, Isaiah 5.20. It's okay. You know, God's given me grace to do this. Now, he's going to give me grace to have experience of flesh and sin, right? In my experience, that's what he would give grace for. Romans 6.1, Romans 6.15, Romans three verse eight. Should I do evil that good may abound? Should I continue like this? Whew. Separation. Separation. we got to get into that. Separation. Look. Right? Or what communion has light? Listen, light there, you can underline that and put down 1 John 1, seven. That is our true character. We are in Christ. Huh? Walk in the light. What's that? Walk in your proper character. And then your behavior, your conduct, will be equal to your character. And then God, you will experience God being pleased with you because you're functioning in the life of the Son in you as an individual. What communion has light with darkness? And what concord, peace, agreement, has Christ with Belial? Or what part has the believer with an unbeliever? oh, I like being with this person, yeah. Yeah, I I just think God wants me to win them. Yeah, you better make sure you're sent there first and equipped. Because if you're not, you won't win them. They'll win your flesh over. And then you'll have an agreement. (laughs) And you you call that fellowship, and I would too. Okay? Look what it says in verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God, are you and I the temple of God? Put right there, when it says temple of God, put 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We were bought with a price. We're not our own. We do not have a right to make our own decisions apart from Christ and apart from the word. And the flesh will tell us all day, yes, we do. Okay? Yes, we do. Have fun with that one. (laughs) Vulgar. (laughs) For what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I'm going to dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Wherefore, because of all this, because of all this teaching, wherefore, because of the word that God's giving us, come out from among them. Come out from among them. When? When should we do that? Well, I'm going to wait a little bit. Eh, there's still pleasures that I like for a season. In Hebrews the eleventh chapter 23, 24, and 25, and 26, there's pleasures of sin for a season. And I'm just not ready yet, because I'm still getting pleasure. Really? Is it really pleasure? Is it really pleasing God? What is pleasure? How would I define that? Is there a proper definition outside of Christ who pleased God? What motivates me to do, go where, I don't care what it is, to go anywhere, to do anything with anybody, is it pleasing God? God, yeah. You ever hear this, the, the most stupid saying, you're so heavily minded, you're no know, earthly good. Thank God. Hopefully that's true. Because you can't be both. <laughs> and I can't be both. Wherefore, come out from among them, and I want you to look at this, and be separate. Sanctification process. You're positioned in Christ. Now he's separating in your experience everything about the old, the old of yourself, and the old of the other. Second Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Old things are passed away. They're already passed away. What's that mean? They're dead. Is there any life in them? Well, what makes us think we get pleasure in them? Be separate. Who? Says who? The Lord. And touch not. Don't even touch it. Don't, <laughs> don't even touch it. Oh, boy. Read, read Proverbs 20, verse 1. Read Proverbs 23, verse 31. Read those. Read those verses. Read them. They're very interesting. They're extremely interesting, by the way. And touch not, come out from among them, them, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. What's unclean? Anything outside the will of God. Well, how do I know the will of God? Can I function in ignorance? Some really choose to do that, you know. We don't have to be ignorant. (laughs) We don't, but we can choose to. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you. Who doesn't need that? I will be a father unto you and you will experience being my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. All the power that you have to be a son and daughter okay, is in Christ who is the power. You'll be kept by that safe in 1 Peter 1.5, kept from the enemy in John 10.10a because the B part simply is you'll experience the abundance of his love life for you. And you'll be kept in 1 Peter 1.5 because Christ is the power. Of God and the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. Now, what is Paul through the Holy Spirit speaking of all these things, the examples, the types, everything that we just read? When we get to Numbers, we get to Numbers, and remember in, in the type Numbers, Numbers is for us to understand he took Israel out of Egypt, world system. He took them from Satan, Pharaoh, a type, ruling and reigning over them. You don't think Satan will give you good things so that he can use those good things to separate you from Christ and you make him an idol? You think so? And what's behind an idol? I'm gonna submit to some evil spirit and function in my flesh. Man, boy, I'll tell you what. God, you wanna talk about disobedience and not being obedient, it's very intense. It is very, very intense. Well, it's a picture that they were let out under the influence of Satan from the world system. They were let out. And now they're in the wilderness. Have they reached their promised land yet, their Canaan? No. Have we reached it? In, in, have we already have all the promises in 2 Corinthians 1.20 in this? Yes. But are we on our way to our heavenly, to be with Christ in the heavens? But where are we right now? We're in the world system, just like Jesus was, but he wasn't of it in any measure. In John 17, verse 14, and because we're his, neither were we in John 17 and verse 16. Neither are we. Neither are we of this world system. And so in this world system, you and I are going to experience conflict. But is it against blood and flesh in Ephesians 6 12, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 4 through 6. Is it? No. But he gets us to get in the flesh because that's the place where we will battle God. That's the place where we'll struggle, we'll battle. Why? Because experientially we're not separated from it yet in our thinking. In our thinking. That's the battlefield. Yeah, and the battle's the Lord's. Because without him in John 15, 5, we can do nothing. Well, again, here is Numbers the 19th chapter. I'm going to read this and read it with me. This is Numbers the 19th chapter, verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron. Both of them in their function are types of the work that only Christ would fulfill. But they're just the shadow, Christ is the substance. They're the types, Christ is the anti-type. One is the shadow, one is the substance. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord God commanded, speak unto the children of Israel. You know, when, when Moses would speak unto the children of Israel, did they always like to hear it? Did they have selective hearing? And as a result, selective obedience? hmm Yes, they did. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without spot wherein there's no blemish upon whom never came a yoke that's why we teach, the Bible teaches all of us in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, the yoke that Jesus has, don't picture it, you know, like the two yoke of oxen. One is yoked around Jesus and then he says, "Here, I'm going to yoke. That's not what it says. He never needed restraint. He was instantly obedient, constantly. He had a human nature, not a sin nature. There's a difference between him and us. That's why it says he was like us, like us. He had human. We have a human. We have humanity. Right, But in that humanity, guess what we have? What he didn't. There's a big difference there, by the way. Such a big difference in precise teaching, boy. And boy, do we need it to function properly and for God to redeem the time in our life. Which never came a young. Now, why is there a red heifer here? Because every other place you see in the sacrifices, they were all masculine. They're all males. Why is it here? Is this still a type of Christ? It is. Because what is the type? The female. The female, in this sense, he was so submissive. He was so submissive. And he was teaching us through these types and through his life, all through the synoptics and the book of John. He was teaching us submission and obedience. He just constantly submitted. Just like, just like uh, we are his bride and we submit. Because the, the bride, us, what do we do? What do we? What do we do? We we are responders. And we're going to respond to some kind of initiation. And if we don't respond to him, what do we respond to? The flesh and who's behind that. This is Christ. It speaks of his unbelievable submissiveness and humility. God. Because he never had to learn obedience because he was always God. But when he put on humanity, he was learning obedience. Again, that's in Hebrews 2, verse 10. Verse 10. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. That is beautiful, beautiful teaching of Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7, all the way through to the end of that chapter and, and what it's teaching us. So there to bring a red heifer without spot. No disobedience at all. Just constantly submitted. Instantly. What kind of obedience is pleases God? instant obedience instantly he never had any disobedience no blemish never came a yoke he never needed to be restrained do we and you will give her unto Eliezer the priest that he may bring her forth and look what it says without the camp what's the without the camp structured systematic religion that appeals to the flesh all those denominations and how you should function with man in control, even as a Christian, with man in control. Everything he did, Jesus did, he did outside of the camp. What does that mean? What is this to type of? Without the camp, one will slay her before his face. What does that mean, without the camp? Well, look what it says. Look what it says And the preponderance of all the scriptures. Look what it says. Without the camp, without the camp, that was Judaism, wasn't it? That's right. Do you remember what it says in John 1, 11? He came unto his own, the nation of Israel. And what'd they do? They said, no, rejected him. They said in John 18, 40, not this man. That's the flesh in this, by the way, not this man. Furthermore, crucify him in John 19, 15. So I can live in the flesh for a little bit and keep crucifying him in my experience. No, thank you. Matthew, the 12th chapter is very, very explicit. And this is what it says. Matthew, the 12th chapter says this. These are your true loved ones. 12, verse 50. For whosoever will do the will of my Father. How do we do that without a submitted will? Again, that's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Whosoever will do the will of my Father. Who did the will in John 4, verse 34? Christ did. The same is what? My brother, sister, and mother. So what kind of a relationship, even with your spiritual family, what kind of a relationship is it? What's it based upon? Is it based upon Christ? What you do, where you go, what you're involved in, is it purely Christ? No? Well, you'll reduce it. you, you just reduce everything down. And so would I. Look what it says in verse 13. And by the way, 13.1 is, is literally, that's why some of these chapters and verses, I'm glad they did it in a certain way because it helps me. With, with memory, the Holy Spirit to bring back, but it belongs right with verse 50. So it really should be 1251, by the way. That same, because why? The same day. It's not separated. That same day went Jesus out of the house. What's the house? Structured religion that appeals to the flesh. That only takes you so far and that's it. It just won't take you so far. Right, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. He went out and went after the sea, all the people. <laughs> and he sat down, typed, finished work, type of, type of the fact that he was the lamb slain in Revelation 13, verse 8, before the foundation of the world. And the flesh that seeks to do the works were already finished in Hebrews 4, verse 3. Before God ever created anything. Oh my word. I mean, before he created any material thing that the flesh lusts after. We were created in Christ. Ephesians 2, 10. God, they, he, he went and sat by the sea. Look at, and then great multitudes, guess what? They were gathered together unto who? The priest? The pastor? No, gathered unto who? Him, so that he had to go in, in, in a ship. He was separated himself from anything of fleshly structured, wrong, bad, no teaching. Right? right. He went outside the camp. Again, that's Hebrews 13. Read Hebrews 13. Look at those first 15 verses in Hebrews 13, especially 13, 13 and 14 of Hebrews. And boy, if we had the time to go into those explicitly, boy, we would, and I believe God will have us to do that. Okay? So do it. Bring her forth without the camp, and one will slay her before his face. Everything that Christ did, did he need Judaism to do it? Do we need religion? Is God a religious God? Or is he a God of relationship, intimate relationship that no one else can replace? Well, Eleazar the priest, again the type, will take of her blood with his finger and will sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation where they come to meet. Who's the tabernacle? Christ, has he made us his tabernacle. Why seven times? finished work. Complete. It's complete. Complete. We have this complete. And one will burn the heifer in his sight. Her skin, her flesh, her blood, her dung will be burnt. And the priest will take cedar wood. Wow, what's that? You ever know what cedar is? You ever see it? Keep it in your closets. What does it do? Preserves. What does it do? Why is it such a good thing for carpenters to even use outdoors? It's impervious to so many things all kinds of things cedar it's the purity it refuses to be mixed with anything else and that Christ on the cross what was that and you're going to see cedar and a lot of it that was mixed with it is the sweetness and the savor of the life of Christ coming up to the father that's what this speaks of again we'll get into these things all through the types in the old covenant which teaches about Christ so he'll take cedar wood and hyssop all these things go into the sacrifices and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. What's the burning? It's the holiness of God that, God that God was doing with his wrath, consuming anything that was not of him, the sin sacrifice in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, which was Christ, and he's consuming it. Has it been consumed in our position? Do we experience the reality of it in our experience? Are they equal? Because if they're not, I become unequally yoked. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, I'll yoke up with something else. And a lot of Christians, you know, wrong teaching, bad teaching, no teaching. So he'll take, the priest will take the cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet, cast it into the burning of the heifer. Then the priest will wash his clothes, he'll bathe his flesh in water, and afterwards he will come into the camp. And the priest will be unclean even until the even. And he that burns her will wash her clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water, cleansing of the word, the washing of the water of the word, Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, and will be unclean. And a man that is clean will gather up the ashes of the heifer. Were the ashes bad? Some, some will teach you that the ashes had to come outside the camp because they were, they were polluted with sin. No, they weren't. It was the camp that was unclean. The ashes were pure. They were reduced down. Christ was so reduced down for us. And do we choose him continually in our experience? He was so reduced down for us. Well, look at the ashes of the heather and lay them without the camp. Look what it says: in a clean place. Do we have a clean place in Christ? Do we have a clean image. Is it our experience, or is it something of the flesh? A clean place. And it will be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel. Look what it says. For a water of what? Separation. Separating the flesh. Hebrews 4.12. Separating. Constant separation. Constant obedience. Constant humility. Constant submission. Otherwise, what's my experience? Seriously. Everything about us is time. You know what the great parenthesis of time is? It's called eternity. What will we do with our time? And in time, what will we do with the things that God gives us? God Almighty, help us. Humble us. The water of separation is what? A purification for what? For sin. Separating from us. That's not who we are, Romans 7, 17 and 20. It's not who we are. Right? And he that gathers up the ashes of the heifer washes wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Why? Were the ashes unclean? No, he was. <laughs> and it will be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that so, show, sojourns among them for a statute forever. He that touches the dead body of any man will be unclean in seven days. Is um, so the flesh in us dead? If that appeals to me and I get together... And I submit to their flesh and they submit to me. I don't know. Is that clean? No. What is it? It's unclean. And call, let's call it fellowship. Just because we were Christians, we're born again, but we got together. <laughs> God. Does it mean we can't have any joy? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. But I found out in Galatians 5, 22, it says, the sevenfold fruit of the Spirit is love and then there's joy. If it's God, there's joy. If it's not, it's pleasure of the flesh. He'll he'll show us what that is, and only the Holy Spirit can take the things of Christ, show us that we're functioning in the flesh without condemning us, because we're in Christ in Romans 8.1, and then instantly show us who we are. Is the condemnation coming from him? Is the hardness of the word coming from him? Could it be that I'm hard, the flesh is hard, and, and I'm condemned in the flesh, because I still like it and still want to do it. So I'll settle for the condemnation. Talk about deception. Whew. Wow. Talk about deception. Lord Jesus. Well, he that touches the dead body of any man will be unclean seven days. It takes, us, takes God a while to get us, even when we get with others in the flesh. It's going to take a while for him to get that out. But he'll do it because we're complete seven days. He will purify himself on the third day. Isn't that interesting? I don't know. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the third day has to do just with Christ and what he rose up with. It's not the title of anything else. I just want to make that clear too, by the way. Hmm. Then the seventh day he he, he will not be clean. Whoever touches the, the dead body of any man that is dead has to puri- and, and purifies not himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. God is separating us from these things. All these areas that appeal to the flesh are all the areas of someone else and a believer that appeal to us when they function in the flesh. For any of us defiles the tabernacle of the Lord and that soul will be cut off from Israel. In other words, cut off from proper experience because the water of separation wasn't sprinkled upon him. He will be unclean. His, his uncleanness is yet upon him. Is that opposition? No, but what's my experience? Am I, am I being holy at that moment? No. No. Can I take the holiness of God? No. No, I can't. But I can be when I submit to him. It's the only time I can be. Then here, then here. His cleanness is yet upon him. Read the whole rest of that. It is so loaded. And then finally, look. And we, I have to skim over these because of the time. But hopefully, hopefully, God will bring him back to my remembrance where He left me off or where I left Him off, and you can pray. And that's why prayer it is. It's so vital. You guys can be joints that supply, just praying. And we need to pray for each other, and I need your prayers, because I can't do anything apart from him. And in that measure, I can't do anything apart from others, too, by the way. And he's always keeping us all equal in our humility with him. So as we close, this is Luke, the 17th chapter, uh, 7, Luke, the 7th chapter, verses 19 and 20. And John calling him unto him two of his disciples Sent them to Jesus. Who should we send them to? Ourselves? A flesh? Be one with them? No, send them to Jesus. Do they see him? As a written epistle in you in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6. No. They can know. Thank you, Lord. Sent them unto Jesus saying this. Are you he? Now look what it says. Are you he that should come? Look what it says. Are you he? Because if I don't see him in me, look what it says. Or should I look, should we look for another? If I don't have him in my experience, if I don't, I'm going to look for another. It could be the most godly person. It could be the most loving person. Listen, no, God's a jealous God. I don't know, is it possible for God to love us right where we are? At any moment, the moment we submit to him? Or do I want to bypass it? Listen, are you he, Lord? In other words, where are you? I can't find you. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look for another. When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto you, saying, Are you he that we should come? Is he? You know, Hebrews 11, 6, Right? Without faith it's impossible to please him because he that comes to God must believe that he is. Do you believe he is? You believe he's for you? You believe he's everything you ever needed and I ever needed? And do you believe he needs to separate us from all the lies and influence of the flesh under under Satan in John 8 verse 44? Do you think that needs to happen? Are we growing up into him in Ephesians 4 verse 15 or should we look to another? Do I need to look to another to experience life? Are you he that should come? Or should we look for another? Who's like him? You tell me. Start at Exodus 9, verse 14. Is anyone like him? Go all the way to the 40th chapter of Isaiah. And go all the way through to the book of Revelations. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first, he's the last. He's your first and he's your last. And if he's your first, you'll last. And if he's not, you won't experientially. So we're going to close. Should we look to another? And look what it did. did he answer it. And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities, plagues of what? Evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. <laughs> we can function in the blindness of the flesh. And when we do, we're going to make others more important than Christ himself in our own individuality. He loves us so much. Listen, he created, you think about it, God created us to love us individually in his son. What an amazing privilege. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for the water of separation, the water of the word, the water of separation in Ephesians 5, 26, 27, to present himself a church, an individual made up of, without spot or blemish. Because in Song of Solomon 4, verse 7, you're all, fair, my love. There's no spot in you. None. Not one single spot in you. No, you're not to know yourself after that. And you don't submit to those thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen.